glimmering membrane of water, split when she enters, sinks to clay floor, sand, shell, sedimenting to form a woman, dark as lake floor, dark as they created in debris of dynamic heads, silver men glisten unsown and woven into her being broken, hollowed to carry remnants of souls strewn in man-made waters. What can be made from nothing? The cushion hooks to her neck, her curl hair gills for breath, iridescent scales shed from slender sinewy form as her intricate jawbones mechanize for an open, unprecedented speech. For she who was carved out of isthmus intended for silence. Lake Gatun by Cheyenne Figueroa Bennett Cheyenne is actually one of my friends from high school. She's in Panama now, working on her Fulbright. Um, I guess I want people to know that I got smart friends. I don't know how else to use this bragging right. Um, I miss her a little bit, so I wanted to read this poem. Megan didn't have time this month, unfortunately, so it's just me talking to myself, which I am generally good at. Um, but I find modern poems considerably challenging, and I certainly find this poem quite challenging, so I'm not entirely confident. But what I can relate to most easily in this poem is the imagery of it. I can just see the poem unfolding in front of my eye. And what I see is a woman entering and sinking into a lake because of those first two lines glimmering membrane of water there's there's just so much imagery of the water shining and someone someone splitting it and entering it then she sinks and then through those lines sedimenting to form a woman this person is formed into a woman by the material in the lake floor However, notice that the woman was already a she before she received her shape, before she became a woman, because we have uh, the membrane of water split when she enters, and yet she becomes a woman after she enters in the shape of a woman. I don't know if that makes sense, but what it says to me is that this woman created her own shape by allowing the sediments to create her. She was already a she before she received her shape. She willed her shape from herself. She chose to be formed this way. Then she being dark as the lake floor, being dark as the sediments created, that was also her choice. Then there is the line in debris of dynamic heads right after dark as they created which means to me i see her coming into being within the debris of the heads so what that 
shows me that as she is being created, she is immediately among debris. But the debris, because it is composed of dynamic heads, is alive. I can kind of see the heads twisting, turning about, and expressing their dynamism. And what one thing that comes to mind is the fact that the debris is all things diametrically opposed to her. Unlike her, the singular woman, the debris is of men and the plural men. And unlike her humble blackness, the men are shiny silver. Unlike her who is fully formed, the men are unsown. And not only that, they get woven into her so that they are dependent on her, while she, being fully formed, is independent. So in all these ways, she is different from everything around her. However, this debris, the silver men, become a part of her, specifically a part of her brokenness as she, as, as she traverses through them. So far, I can see how she is formed by the sediments, but because her clay form comes into being within the debris, it inevitably and immediately causes her to be broken by it. And the debris lodges into those parts it cracked or broke. Hence, in effect, she gets broken and hollowed to carry the debris, which is the remnants of souls strewn. Because the water is man-made, it indicates that the scattering of the souls was an act of discarding. Right after that, we hear the question, what can be made from nothing? And the question hooks to her neck. Now, I immediately wonder, where is this question coming from? Because of that hook, that word hook, I think that the question is coming from the discarded silver souls that have become a part of her brokenness. Because hooks tend to be metallic, and she is clay, so it is one of those metallic debris that has lodged into her neck. Of course, a hook to someone's neck would kill them. And so no wonder the woman, her curl hair gills for breath. She's about to die from this, from this hook. But notice how the thing that gills for breath is not her, but her curl hair. Um, now I remember once I had a discussion in class, in an English class, and one of my classmates pointed out that hair is, an, is identity. Our hair frames our faces and it really has a significant influence on how our face appears. So a haircut can make a significant difference to someone's face and therefore hair is so important in identifying us and that's why we take so much care of our hair. So in this stanza, when it's not the woman who is trying to breathe, but her curl hair that is trying to breathe, then the breathing is no longer about living, it's about identity. And I think that is that also clarifies the question beforehand, which is what can be made from nothing, as though um, that question is asking the value of this person's being, which is assumed by the question to be nothing. The assumption of nothingness is quite demeaning. 
as a result, the asking of it, the question itself, is an act of reducing her to nothing. So the question hooks her in her neck because reducing someone to nothing, making someone feel like they're nothing, is an act of killing that person if only by spirit. This is how it makes sense to me, how the question hooks to her neck and her curl hair gills for breath. Next, she writes, iridescent scales shed from slender sinewy form as her intricate jawbones mechanize for an unprecedented speech. Now, what I see is the woman moving around her mouth trying desperately to breathe due to the question hooking her and in that movement shedding her scales that were keeping the mouth shut. The fact that the scale is iridescent implies that those scales also came from the debris and not from her original clay built. And since she is made of the isthmus clay, unlike the rigid silver scales that bound her, she has the flexibility to shed the scales through her movement. So she embraces that isthmus clay part of her to silence the question through her own unprecedented speech. However, I now see another meaning to that ending segment. Perhaps she is not silencing the question. Rather, the portion about intended for silence is not the conclusion but a comment on the unprecedented speech. It is not that she is creating silence, but that she was created with the intention of being silenced. She was not meant to speak. That is why the speech she is about to give is unprecedented. And that is what makes this speech even more dramatic and climactic as we realize that she is defying the purpose of her creation through her speech. And that is all I had about this poem. It was really difficult. I wish there was either Cheyenne or Megan with me to talk about this, but thinking about it was fun. And hopefully next time Megan will be here and I have to spend less time talking to myself like a crazy person and listening to myself like a crazy person for my own mental well-being. Yeah. In the meantime, let's listen to the poem one more time. Lake Gatun by Cheyenne Figueroa Bennett Glimmering membrane of water split when she enters, sinks to clay floor, sand, shell, sedimenting to form a woman, dark as lake floor, dark as they created in debris of dynamic heads, silver men glisten unsown and woven into her being broken, hollowed to carry remnants of souls strewn in man-made waters. What can be made from nothing? The question hooks to her neck, her curl hair gills for breath, iridescent scales shed from her slender sinewy form as her intricate jawbones mechanize for an open, unprecedented speech. For she, who was carved out of isthmus, 
intended for silence.